What's up and welcome back to the Fantasy Football Fanatics for yet another edition. I'm joined by Matthew Grace. Looking all sorts of good there, man. How you going? Yeah, not too bad. Obviously, another week down of uh, NFL and, um, you know, there's a few teams sort of setting themselves apart and a few teams maybe falling off the bandwagon. So it's interesting times in the NFL, Fitzy. It is a bit. And, and let's just quickly off the top here talk about your Patriots, dude. Like they're seven and four. I reckon you would have taken that after week 11 at the start of the season, given some personnel changes and, and whatever's happened at New England this season. Yeah, it's been huge. Obviously, you know, a few new faces and uh, new rookie quarterbacks, always a scary thing, but he's definitely outshone probably the last two years of rookie quarterbacks. Uh, all the picks, I reckon, at this stage. And then the defense uh, has just, yeah, gone to another level. They've always had a relatively good defense, but yeah, this year they've they've seriously won some games for them. So tough uh, four weeks coming up. We do play the Titans this week, who are we do know undermanned, and then a couple of games against the Bills in between or either side of a bye. So yeah. um, I think the next four weeks will tell us um, if the the Patriots will be in the playoffs or not. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And, of course, Mac Jones has kind of flown under the radar a little bit this year, but they're obviously trying to protect him, as we've spoken about before. But before we get too far into the show, let's give a bit of love to Mike Evans. He became the all-time touchdown leader at Tampa. He's got 72 touchdowns through his career, man. He's been a, a favorite target of Tom Brady at times uh, the last couple of years, of course, with uh, Jameis Winston as well. He's just uh, he's that boom or bust player, but I'll tell you what, when he's booming, he's he's booming big. Yeah, he's... Uh, he's it's- as you said, he's a boom or bust player. And, um, you know, when um, uh, Antonio Brown, I was going to say Anthony Brown then, uh, Antonio Brown's back, uh, you know, it'll obviously um, decrease his target share a little bit. But, you know, that's just the, the high weapons you have to, to uh, you know, push for another Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely, and they're looking good as well. But we've got to give a bit of love as well, man, to Cam Newton. His first start for the Panthers since, obviously, he left town, but uh, he was pretty good as well, and uh, I've got him a bit later on in the show as well. I've left him off the stud list, but I think he might be worth a pickup if he hasn't been picked up in your league because he's playing. The shackles are off. Christian McCaffrey's back. I think the Panthers are going to look good, and hopefully they can uh, sort of really strengthen up their playoff hopes as well because they're kind of hanging in there. Might be a little bit late for them at five and six, but um, there's still plenty of football to play. Oh, 100%. And, uh, you know, the the Panthers, their defense is sort of kicking into gear as well. So, you know, dreadful start to the year and, and you know, bring back Newton and McCaffrey fully fit. Um, you know, it's uh, exciting times if you're a Panthers fan. Definitely. And the last thing that we'll mention here before we get into the studs and duds is don't forget that there are Thanksgiving games uh, coming up. And for us in Australia, that means that the season or the week, sorry, kicks off very early Friday morning. But we do get that 12 o'clock game, I believe. So we're going to have some football that we can watch if you are that way inclined to catch it while you're at work. But just remember to set your rosters Thursday night for Australian followers. That's going to be awesome over that weekend. But let's get into... The, uh, the studs and duds of the week, of course, kicking it off with the quarterbacks. And the first number one stud I've got to mention, dude, he's the number one fantasy quarterback this season, is your boy Jalen Hurts. He had a great game in that win against the Saints. He's really starting to put it all together. Three rushing touchdowns, if you don't mind, showing that he's got that safe floor given the rushing volume that he gets. Yeah, uh, looking through his scores today, um, you know, this was a 30-point game. Um, but he's been around that sort of, you know, 20 to 25 sort of point mark most weeks. He had a stretch there where he sort of only scored 15 or 16 points. But, yeah, I'm pretty happy if that's your base because that's um, that's not even close to some of the other quarterbacks that are on the waiver yeah. wire. Uh, they're top scoring. But, um, yeah, it was an interesting um, fact. I, I, I think I tagged you in it, Fitzy, that 
him and Lamar Jackson. Um, after I can't remember how many games it was, they've got very similar stats. So, um, you know, we, we might be seeing a Lamar Jackson 2.0 maybe uh, <laughs> with Jalen Jalen Hurts at the moment. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, Eagles Eagles fans should be very happy that they've got a, definitely got a franchise quarterback for quite some time. It's funny, you did tag me in that, and I was going to write back and just forgot, obviously, because I'm a massive jerk. But otherwise, I, I thought it was quite fascinating that Jalen Hurts' fantasy production I guess hasn't really translated into wins on the board. Like Lamar was an MVP in what his second season, and Jalen, going by the um, just the general, I suppose, football statistics, maybe hasn't quite matched him in that sense. And, and the old the old way you look at it is just wins and losses. So perhaps he's still another season off. You know, getting a good supporting cast around him, and they've got to sort out that run game too, and bring in maybe another big receiver in there. But yeah, I'm definitely thinking he's got the makings of Lamar Jackson 2.0, but needs to get some wins on the board. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you definitely um, go by the wins and stuff, but, you know, they're only going to be better for it with, obviously, you know, um, rookie wide receiver in um, Devonta Smith and, you know, they got Regal there as well. So, um, you know, Miles Sanders was back this week and he had his highest carries for the for the season. So, um, and, and they've been going to that run game quite heavily over the past mm. few weeks. So it was good to see Sanders, uh, even though he did have a fumble, he was back into that sort of lead back role um, yep. as well. So, um, yeah, a few things going right there. I just said, they're probably, you know, 12 months off of sort of turning it around in the wins and losses column, but definitely a very exciting time. Yeah, absolutely. Watch this space. And let's talk about another young quarterback, Justin Herbert. He had a great game, 382 yards and three touchdowns, but he also had 90 rushing yards. He got the legs moving there. Another young quarterback and the Chargers are looking pretty good as well. Uh, I had their record up here before, six and four, sitting over 500, probably probably maybe a couple of wins off where we expected they might be. Of course, like Mike Williams has been up and down a little bit. Herbert's been a bit up and down himself, but Austin Eckler has been the key to that offense. But the Chargers, man, they're actually looking pretty good this season. Yeah, they're looking real good. Obviously, Herbert's, um, you know, very good young quarterback. They got Eckler, who, um, who sort of was the backup, I suppose you'd say, um, to Cam Akers. He was sort of going to be the lead guy, but it looks like Eckler's got that spot now. And as you said, Mike Williams uh, has been up and up and down as well. And you know, you got Keenan Allen as well, another target there for them. So, um, yeah, it's. Exciting times. Their defense has sort of let them down a little bit. You know, there's a bit of a shootout against the Steelers uh, this past week, and they were lucky to get away with that game. They were up by 20 points at one stage, and the Steelers come come back hard. So, um, yeah. yeah, but uh, you'd be happy if you were a Chargers fan, I think, at the moment. Hopefully, you know, they can string a few, few wins together and, and sort of get ahead of that ledger a bit more. Yeah, definitely. And look, speaking of happy fans, how about the Green Bay Packers? Aaron Rodgers on the weekend, they went down to the Vikings, but he had a nice 385 yards and four passing touchdowns. But the Packers lost that, that game, but they are sitting eight and three in the NFC North. I mean, it helps when they've got Chicago and Detroit in the same division as them. But do you feel like they're the real deal this year? I mean, Aaron Rodgers has been okay. He hasn't been amazing sort of backing up that MVP season. But do you reckon they've uh, they've got what it takes to push far into the playoff action this year? I don't know. It's it's hard because, you know, all it takes is Jones to get injured or Devontae Adams to get injured. And, you know, they seem to struggle a little bit. Um, you know, they've got one of their, their top uh, offensive linemen out in that Bakhtiari. I think that's how you say his name, Bakhtiari or someone. Yeah, it's something like that. But, um, yeah, he's he's been out injured as well. So, I don't know. I think we need to see them all back and, and see how they go against some of these other, other top sides. You know, losing to the Vikings is... You know, a bit of a – you probably wouldn't have expected. You would have thought they might have won that game, um, especially after recent results. But, yeah, 
not a hundred percent sold on the on the package yet. Sort of, you know, they can be hit and miss from week to week. And look, their defense has been quite good apart from the one on the weekend. But um, yeah, for me, just a wait and see at the moment. I think. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. And let's move through to a few that struggled this week. And a guy that we haven't spoken about yet in the show, Gracie, Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons. We've spoken about the issues that they have had. They, of course, had that that donut against the Patriots. He only threw for 153 yards and two interceptions. I mean, he'd be hanging on to his contract at this point, I would have thought. I mean, the Falcons have won the four games there. I mean, he's thrown – I had to look at some stats early because he's thrown less passing yards than Lamar Jackson, Carson Wentz, even your boy Mac Jones. And Dak Prescott has missed a game or two as well. So not a great season for Atlanta, but, like, it's just – it's, you know, season over at this point. They've got to start maybe – you know, maybe they need to bench Matt Ryan. They need to bring some youth in. They need to change something up. Uh, maybe Calvin Ridley comes back at some stage and sort of helps. I mean, that that's a huge out for them, of course. And they lost Julio over the offseason. But, yeah, not a great season for the Atlanta Falcons, and it's not going to get any easier anytime soon. No, you're right. And um, I think what they need to do is they've got to beef up that offensive line. Watching that Patriots-Falcons game, like the, the Patriots were just able to get through that offensive line with ease and, you know, the amount of sacks they got on Ryan and, you know, forcing the the pressure to, to get those two interceptions. But they didn't just do it to Ryan. They did it to mm. the other two backup quarterbacks that also got an opportunity. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a bit worrying. So there's obviously, you know, it's not just necessarily the quarterback, I guess you'd say. It's that, that offensive line needs some serious work. Um, to protect yeah. Matt Ryan a bit more because we know he, he's a he's a great quarterback and 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 has you know taken his teams to Super Bowls previously. So it's um yeah it's, it's a few few worrying concerns for the Falcons uh, at the yeah. moment. Absolutely, and uh, and we'll see what happens with that situation. But we've got to talk about the game here, Gracie. Both quarterbacks were sort of involved and unfortunately made the dud list here. The Chiefs and the Cowboys, of course, the Chiefs got up in the end 19-9. to But this is a game in the preseason you would have been circling as one that you're looking for a massive blockbuster, high-scoring affair. But both quarterbacks were fairly ordinary. Dak had 216 uh, passing yards, two interceptions and a fumble. Pat Mahomes had 260 yards, one interception and a fumble. But, man, what a disaster for both quarterbacks. And I saw that. Dak came out and said that he was quite pissed off about how he performed in that game. That could have been a perfect opportunity for the Cowboys to steal one. But I suppose the the Chiefs are also looking to build up a bit of confidence as they sort of sit seven and four and try and sort of figure out that early season, those early season jitters, try and work their way into some form. But, man, what a game. Yeah, I think there's more come down to whose defense played better in the end. And, and the Chiefs' defense, since their buy has been unreal. Um, I think they're conceding the least amount of points per game. Um, since their buy over that period of time. So, yeah, the Chiefs' defense definitely stood up in this one and, you know, kept Dak uh, very quiet, kept Zeke quiet as well. Um, it didn't help C.D. Lamb did get injured um, in the game as well. So, um, you know, and they're already without um, Cooper as well. So it's, yeah, a bit, bit, bit worrying times for the Cowboys. But, um, yeah, I think, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be thereabouts come playoffs time. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let's switch up gears a little bit and move on to the running backs. And I've got to talk about our boy. We caught him for a big season early on, Jonathan Taylor. He was superb. Again, 185 yards. He had four receiving – sorry, four rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown, five touchdowns in the game. And, I mean, we'll talk about Austin Eckler in a minute, but he had four, and you would have thought that would have been the leader for the week. But talk about Jonathan Taylor, man. He's had 1,122 rushing yards for the season. He's the clear leader. Derek Henry second. We know he's out for the year. 
He's had 13 rushing touchdowns. Man, like I read a post on Reddit that people were talking about he could be the first MVP, running back MVP since Adrian Peterson. Do you feel like there's any any buzz about that? We know that looking at some of the quarterbacks, like Pat Mahomes is leading the, the passing yards, but maybe hasn't had an MVP caliber season. Aaron Rodgers is kind of probably thereabouts. Is it possible? Like, could this happen? I mean, it'd be that, you know, lightning doesn't strike twice. You know, Adrian Peterson had that fantastic season in 2016 or whenever it was to win it. Could he keep this going on, maybe hit that 2K mark with his rushing yards and maybe be in the frame for MVP? Uh, it's possible. Uh, it's it's going to take – he's going to have to keep this momentum going for the remainder of the season, I think, to, to nab an MVP. But I, I still think, you know, a Rodgers or you know, even a Brady – um, because don't forget they usually uh the win the win column usually counts as well. So um look, the Colts are going okay, but you know, Jonathan Taylor's their main weapon. Um, you know, they do have uh Pittman Jr. as well, but yeah, Taylor's their go to guy. Um and as we saw on the weekend, he was he was all of their offense pretty much. Yeah. So um yeah, he'd you'd have to pull out probably another game or two like this, I think. Um you know going on for the rest of the season to to probably get the MVP. So definitely be a long shot for mine, I think. But you know, he's got a I, chance. I reckon he's got a chance too. Like you think about like Kyle Murray's missed some time. Like, you know, obviously Arizona was the team out of the blocks. A lot of the teams you mentioned, they're sort of seeing that, you know, six and four or seven and three even. Um, I don't know. Like we'll just watch this space and, and maybe we've called it nice and early. That might have to be a bold call later on in the show. But let's talk about the guy that's kind of become – that sort of second most reliable running back this season, Austin Eckler. As I mentioned before, he had four touchdowns in that game, two receiving and two rushing. Dude, like there's going to be teams out there that potentially drafted Eckler at the turn of the first round and then drafted Jonathan Taylor early in the second round. And man, you'd be laughing if you had these two guys and scored 90 points thereabouts between them this week. What a phenomenal week it's been for those two guys. Oh yeah. I actually saw one fantasy team on Twitter that had both of these guys and they were down um, by I think almost a hundred and and got back level just from these two games. So um, yeah, it's it's amazing that you do got these guys. Obviously, we've seen in the past from Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara and those mm. sorts of guys. So um, you know, we, we always see one or two guys have big games throughout the season. So um, you know, is it a one off? Who knows? But we know that they're the focal point of uh, of their offenses. So they've yep. got every chance to do it again. I think Eckler can keep this up, definitely. Taylor, I mean, I know, I know he's only young, and he's only getting a small volume as well. You know, like 18 carries can easily be for 60 yards instead of 120 or whatnot. But I reckon Eckler's the real deal because he obviously gets involved in the passing game. He did that when Melvin Gordon was in town. It's just injuries that have held him back the last three or four years. So I'm expecting him to to finish the year just as strong as he started. But a guy that we need to quickly mention here, Joe Mixon, dude, he was phenomenal in that game against the Raiders. They got up the Bengals 32-13. to 13. He found the end zone a couple of times, 123 rushing yards. He's had all sorts of hate since he entered the league, let's be honest. And when he's healthy, he's shown that he's easily a top 10 running back. But would you have confidence drafting Joe Mixon uh, Sorry, next season after seeing him this season, given that when he is on the park, he's the real deal. And if you can pick up his backup in Piran, you really got an RB1 there for the, for the whole season. Yeah, I was looking at his stats today and, you know, week one he came out and had a 20-point fantasy game and sort of, you know, went a little quiet, had, you know, a couple of 10s and 12s. But four, uh, three out of his last four games, he's had 20-plus fantasy points. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, when they get close to that line, goal line, he's the man to run it in. Um, you know, he's not going to get you huge yard, like 123 yards is a big game. 
for him, but he's always going to get the opportunity to score one or two touchdowns. So definitely uh, worth drafting him next year. That's for sure. And as you said, as long as you got the backup, you'd be no problems at all, I think. So, yep. Yep. I'm agreeing with you. That'd be interesting. So I reckon the top three or four running backs off the board next year could be completely different to this year, which would be quite interesting. But let's move on to the duds of the week. And a guy I've got to get your opinion on here, Gracie, is Zeke Elliott. Of course, they had that very strange game against the Chiefs. He only had 30-odd rushing yards and about 30 receiving yards as well, but he left the game with an injury late. He, we know he's been sort of struggling through that knee. We talked him up the other week as one of those top running backs that's been healthy this whole season and been scoring well. But do we start worrying about Zeke Elliott and – I don't know. I'm, I'm worried about the, the the Dallas Cowboys and their medical staff. If Dak and Zeke keep going off and missing a game here or there and keep having problems, like it doesn't bode well for them, especially if they're looking to push for a playoff spot. Yeah, well, I kind of hope Zeke's out because i got Pollard in one of my leagues. So <laughs> he automatically becomes an RB1 if yeah. that's the case. So, um, But no, I, look, I think it'll be, they'll be fine. I think, you know, Zeke's a, more of a, a bash and crash, get in there type of running back. So he's always prone to injuries. Um, himself, obviously, Dak's a bit more of a concern, but yeah, I think you know this is just the game script didn't allow Zeke much room and uh, much opportunity on offense for any of the Cowboys' uh, offensive um, players. So yeah, yep. I wouldn't be um, too concerned about Zeke to be no, honest. That's, that's a very fair point. But let's switch gears here to a team that we do have to sort of maybe worry a little bit about some offensive plays in that running back department. And that's the Seattle Seahawks. I mentioned here Alex Collins on the list, who traditionally, it's, I guess, kind of got the start in this game. He ended up with 10 carries and 36 yards, but it was DJ Dallas that found the end zone, man. Four carries, 25 yards, one touchdown. Rashad Penny's there. Travis Homer seems to get a carry or two and a catch here or there each game. But like, we've got to start talking backfields because we know Chris Carson's going to be out for a little while now. Are we just going to avoid this altogether? Because I, I want to get your opinion here because I know you're an Alex Collins fan. He just sort of pops up and he finds the end zone. He needs the, the red zone carries to, to sort of be fantasy, fantasy relevant. But, like, what are we feeling about the Seattle running back situation? Still think Alex Collins is a start. Like, you know, if you do have him, you know, start him in a flex uh, position. I wouldn't have him as an RB1 or 2. I'm sure you've got better options there for that. But, um, you know, if he's on your waiver wire list, I'd, I'd definitely pick him up. There's going to be matchups where... He's going to get, you know, a couple of touchdowns. You know, might only get 40 or 50 yards, but, you know, that's a good turnout for for a guy that, you know, you can put in your flex. So, um, you know, Carson's obviously out for the year pretty mm. much now. So, um, yeah, I think Collins is the main man. Um, you know, Rashad Penny will get some, you know. Um, there's, yeah, there's plenty of guys there to get touches, but I still think Alex Collins is the, the first man up at the moment. Yeah, that's a fair call as well. And you've got to put some weight towards the starting running back as they're getting the early opportunities. But another backfield that's probably even more messy here is the San Francisco 49ers. They got the win over the Jags, but it was a mess of the the stat sheet that I want to get your opinion on. And funnily enough, the uh, best performing running back was Debo Samuel, who found the end zone. But we had Jeff Wilson Jr., who we've talked up quite a few times. He had 19 carries for 50 yards. Trey Sermon had 10 for 32, and you know they're going to want to get him involved at some stage. Elijah Mitchell didn't play. I think they're expecting him to come back this week. Are any of those guys sort of startable slash rosterable, if that's a word, in your opinion, or are we just sort of going to play it safe? Because the, the, the tricky thing is that with the 49ers, was we know how efficient they are with their running backs. You know, look how most it's performed when he's been healthy. He gets 12 carries for 100 yards and two touchdowns. We know that they're so efficient when they are on the field. Do we trust them at this stage? Are any of those guys rosterable between sort of Wilson, Sermon, and Elijah Mitchell when he's back? No, I don't think so. I think because you got you know guys like Debo Samuel and 
couple of the other receivers that they're they're giving the the run game to, which is you know they're just trying to confuse the defense. So yeah, I'd be sticking away from any 49ers running back until one pops out and and is the clear number one, which we know that doesn't happen at San Francisco. So yeah, I'd be steering clear. Yeah, it's another one, but they've got to sort out these medical problems. Otherwise, they're going to run into some issues. I reckon Jeff Wilson's the man, but we need to see how he plays with Elijah Mitchell back in the team. But let's get moving through here. We'll roll through to the wide receivers. And a man we've got to give a lot of love to is Justin Jefferson. He's been fantastic, looking like he's going to be maybe the first receiver off the board next year other than Cooper Cup. He was phenomenal in that game against the Packers. Eight catches, 10 targets, 169 yards, and two touchdowns, man. Like, you cannot ask for more for a guy in his second season. He's just going from strength to strength. Oh, yeah, he's unreal. And, um, you know, who would have thought he'd have this kind of a year um, at the start of the season? So, but he's definitely the go to man um, in Minnesota. Yeah, definitely. And one man that I suppose went early in drafts, but definitely lived up to the hype. Like, how many of these guys do we end up picking in the fourth round that just bomb out? Like, I could probably name 10 of them from this season. So, good to see. He's had a great season, but the guy on the other side of the field in that same game was Devontae Adams. He had seven catches, 115 yards, and two touchdowns, dude. Like, he's been the key to Rogers' strong season. He sort of backed it up. He had those early season struggles, but Devontae Adams, he's sort of repaying the faith as well as an early draft pick. Oh, yeah. He's he's Mr. Reliable. Like, you know what you're getting when you're drafting Devontae Adams and, you know, guys like Cooper Cup and, um, and DeAndre Hopkins and Stefan Diggs. Like, they're your four main wide receivers in the league, and you know, you're always going to get these odd guys like Mike Williams will have a breakout year or, um, you know, as we see Justin Jefferson in his first year as well. So, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, if you're picking Adams, you, you know what you're getting. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. And the guy that we, we're just rolling through the love for these players is Elijah Moore. And I've put him as the number one pickup. If he hasn't been picked up in your league, I'm going, going early. He's a league winner this year, man. There's someone that pops up late in the season that you can throw in as a flex, play the matchups. He's proven not only is he he's quarterback irrelevant, he can he can perform no matter who the quarterback is, but he's got some serious talent in there, man. He backed up the last two or three weeks. He's been amazing. Eight catches off 11 targets, 141 yards, and a touchdown. He's got that big play potential. Am I being a bit overreacting, or do you think he could really be that league winner, which I am certain that he could be this season? Yeah, well, as, as we know, he's a rookie and, you know, he had a fantastic um, summer camp and preseason um, and he just, yeah, started very, very slow. But since their bye, they've, he's been unreal and, and mm. you know, his last three weeks have been enormous. And Zach Wilson is um, has been, uh, we've just found out today, Zach Wilson will, will most likely start or he'll be back this week. So that's um, another positive for Elijah Moore. So. Yeah, as you said, he's he should probably be the number one pickup target this week um, for for your team if you, if you can stash him and you know if you need to play him in your flex or if you got some wide receivers on a on a buy or something like that or you know some wide receiver injury carnage as we know there's a bit of that going around at the moment but you know mm-hmm. guys like um, the Cardinals have got the Cardinals and Chiefs have got the buy this week so you know he could quite easily replace a Tyreek Hill or a um, or a DeAndre Hopkins or someone like that so. Yeah, definitely worth a, a handy pickup. Yeah, 100%. In my 0.5 PPR league, he's going to be my WY2 now because I've lost just about all of mine. But uh, yeah, I love him. I think he's got all the talent, big-time player. 
Uh, and you're right, Flacco and Mike White both tested positive for COVID, I'm pretty sure. So Zach Wilson's back. He'll throw five interceptions, but he's going to throw a few long bombs down to Elijah Moore, making him a great play this week. But before we move on to the does, there's just two guys that I wanted to mention here very quickly. Scary Terry, of course, and Mike Williams, who both had great bounce back games. These are just guys that we've spoken about in the past, particularly Scary Terry. Like He's got the volume, so you've got to trust him. And Mike Williams is just playing how he's always played now as a boom or bust play, but they both found the end zone. Just want to highlight those guys as someone that you can definitely start relying on, particularly Scary Terry, just purely because of the volume. But let's roll through these duds of the week, Gracie. And C.D. Lamb, he was huge last week, very quiet this week, of course. Monitor that injury to Dak Prescott to see where he sort of sits in there. But he, it's getting very hard to sort of trust. I know Amari Cooper's out, but it's getting very hard to trust these sort of Dallas receivers with the uh, the question marks around Dak pretty much every week. Yeah, it's, um, it doesn't help when you quarter, start quarterbacks always under a cloud or got something wrong with him. So, um, you know, C.D. Lamb... Got injured in this one too, so he did leave the field for a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still comfortable in starting C.D. Lamb while Cooper's out. So, um, you know, he's still a, a big game uh, big game player and we know what he, what he can put up. So, you know, these are the weeks that you just take the bad the bad, uh, bad week and um, I'm sure he'll, he'll bounce back next week. Yeah, and I think another guy you've got to take the bad sort of with the good there is Michael Pittman in that loss to the Bills. I saw that win to the Bills. That were massive on the weekend, man. He had a couple of catches, 23 yards, but there's not too many there's not too many points to go around when Jonathan Taylor finds the end zone five times. So I wouldn't be getting too worried about Michael Pittman there. But DK Metcalf, he's Metcalf, he's the one I want to get your thoughts on because he's had a very interesting season, been very inconsistent, whether with Lane Russell Wilson or not, but he only caught four of eight catches, 31 yards, and didn't find the end zone. Like, what do we think about DK right now? We know that Seattle's got some serious issues with their offense as well. Russell Wilson's missed some games. I mean, what do we make of all this? Uh, it was better when uh, Russell Wilson wasn't in the lineup. So him and Geno Smith actually developed quite a good relationship. So, yeah, I, I still don't think Russell Wilson's 100% comfortable um, coming back from his um, finger injury. So, yeah, it's... Um, you know, if you're a DK Metcalf owner, you'd be very, very. Uh, keep keep picking him, and fingers crossed, things come good. Hopefully, so. Fingers crossed. The one thing you got to be careful of, well, maybe not as a Metcalf owner, but I'd say they'll put Russell Wilson on ice at some stage because they're three and seven. They're definitely not going to make the playoffs at this stage. I reckon you'll probably find they might throw him on ice for the season. But let's move through to our favorite position, the tight end. It's uh, it's been a very strange year at the tight end position. But let's talk about maybe the tight end performance of the year, Gracie. Zach Ertz in that win against the Seahawks we are just talking about there. He caught a couple of touchdowns, 88 yards, nine targets and eight catches. That's a solid performance that we haven't really seen from any tight ends this year. You'd be very happy if you're a Zach Ertz owner. And, man, I kept saying that trade was like a year overdue to get him out of Philadelphia and hopefully can help Arizona push that playoff uh, sort of uh, I suppose that playoff campaign that they're really putting together now, finding their best football again. Yeah, I think Ertz was sort of the go-to man for for the backup. Obviously, Kyler Murray wasn't there. Um, DeAndre Hopkins didn't play. Um, James Connor was relatively quiet himself as well. So um, he was sort of the man to step up and and take uh, take you know those those red zone targets and. Um, you know, he's tight ends are always going to be the guys that you, you need to move the change. You're going to your tight end because he's a big body, especially guys like Ertz and Kelsey, you know, Kyle Pitts to a, to an extent, mm-hmm. um, you know, Hunter Henry's all those sort of guys, your, your bigger tight ends, you know, Gronk obviously is, is another one. So yeah, definitely, um, 
massive asset for the Cardinals. And, you know, hopefully when Murray comes back and, and Hopkins, they're going to yeah, be very, very much a big big threat um, come the end of the season. Definitely. And I think Ertz is going to play a big piece in that. But let's talk about your guy, Travis Kelsey, you just mentioned there. He was great again. Finding a little bit of form, man. I think maybe the Chiefs improving in form and Kelsey's form have kind of gone hand in hand here. But he had five catches off eight targets for 74 yards. But he had a nice carry there to find the end zone for a touchdown. So I, I guess Kelsey, man, was he worth the early, early pick that you would have had to go for him? And I've got a question for you after we run through the duds. But I'm not sure if you're a Kelsey owner in a few legs. I know he was one on your radar. But considering you picked him in the first round, I think you'd be feeling pretty okay with that investment oh yeah when your your lowest score is he goes for 70 or 80 yards and seven or eight points but he quite easily go for 160 yards and score two touchdowns so um i think the chiefs will only get better uh moving towards the end of the season you know we know they've come out massive after their bye and and really shut teams down and now they're just got to get that offense rolling again and you know we know what kelsey can do so i think you know most people probably would have picked him you know, if you had that ninth or tenth pick, you know, you, you're picking a probably a star running back or wide receiver, and then you know you would probably go Kelsey um, with your your next pick in a snake draft. So, yeah, definitely um, be happy with where you've picked him, and and mm. you know he's still the number one tight end by by quite a bit. So. Yep, yep. Can't see that changing anytime soon either. But before we move on to the Duds lift, let's give a bit of love because we're giving love everywhere today. Adam Troutman, dude, from the New Orleans Saints. Have you ever heard of this guy before? Because I definitely hadn't. He had a nice day out, five catches off eight targets, 58 yards and a touchdown. And he sprained his MCL, so he's out for four to six weeks. So I think he's done enough just to get his contract extended to next season. I'm not going to lie. When I saw this name in the spreadsheet, I'm like, (laughs) Hang on, who the hell does this guy play for? <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I've never never heard of him, and um, I think his highest scoring fantasy game for the year was about a three point game. He had thirty yards or something. So um, for him to come out and yeah, go fifty eight yards and a touchdown, it's huge. But yeah, he is injured and probably going to miss majority of the rest of the season. So um, uh, unlucky for him. I just thought that was quite funny. He's he's only caught one touchdown in his career previously. He had like. I mean, a career game for him, I suppose, Then he did his MCL. So that's uh, all kinds of crap for him. But let's move into the duds. And I've only put one down here, dude, is your boy Kyle Pitts. Unfortunately, we had to pick on someone. Everyone else is kind of solid. Not, not too many found the end zone this week, but he only had 29 yards off three catches from five targets. I mean, the Falcons were shut out. There's really not much you can say about Kyle Pitts, but it leads me into sort of what I alluded to earlier. Do you think that our strategy for drafting tight ends next season stays the same as this year? Do we look at Kelsey early? I think if it's not Kelsey, it's it's sort of bust. I think we wait later on now because obviously, you know, Kelsey would go, Kittle, Waller would sort of be in the top, you know, three or four rounds. I think we wait to pick up a tight end until around nine or 10 next year. Just leave it because I think there's so much other values. You've seen injuries hit your running backs left, right, and center. I think we wait. If it's not Kelsey, we just pick up someone towards the end because you can see we would have got Dawson Knox or, or someone like that off the waiver wire this year anyway. So oh, that's that's my thoughts heading into next season very early on. But but what do you reckon? Yeah, I tend to agree. If you, if you don't get Kelsey, sort of hold back. I think oh, from memory, I'm pretty sure I picked up Pitts in the fifth, sixth round or something. So um might have even been the seventh. I can't, can't quite remember. But, yeah, it's, um, you know, you take a punt on a – on a rookie tight end, it's always going to be games like this that, that happen. But, you know, we've seen him go, you know, a few weeks ago, he went for 160 yards with no touchdowns. And, you know, he's he's going to be the go-to guy at, at Atlanta for, 
quite some time. It's just, you know, what they do with that offensive line and, mm. and um, you know, if they keep Matt Ryan at quarterback or, or go after a uh, another quarterback in the um in next year's draft. So yeah, it's interesting times. I think if you're gonna be picking a guy like Pitts or even another rookie quarterback, you've got to just maybe look at their offensive line and see what other weapons are there. Because if you've got other weapons around a rookie tight end, I think they seem to flourish a bit more. You know, you see with um Knox who's a relatively young guy as well. You know, he's got Diggs and Cole Beasley and you know Singletary and Moss and these guys around him as well. So you know, there's more weapons, which you know keeps the you know the best um, corners mm. away from you and safeties when you when you're running your routes. So yeah, it's um it's definitely something. Probably, I think we need to do more research on when we are drafting these tight ends. Is what's their you know situation like in the team they're in, um and then go from there. So yeah, yeah, that's a very fair analysis. I think we just go through almost like waves depending on the season, as you're sort of saying there. You need to assess it because other years you'd go very early on a tight end. I think next year we wait, and I think it's going to be probably that way for a little while. But let's move through to our DST, Defensive and Special Teams, streamers for the week, Gracie. And before we get through those, man, we've got to give you some props for your bowl call last week. The New England Patriots, you flagged them to score 30. They scored 26, I think it was. They couldn't have got any closer. You must be well, pretty happy that one. to be fair, there was the second interception that um, – who was the second quarterback? that came? I can't even remember now. Um, anyway, the second guy, second pick – that he threw, yep. the guy caught it, fell on the ground, and it was the faintest touch because it 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 was a touchdown, it was ruled a touchdown. So they actually had would have had two pick sixes, so they would have got over thirty oh, points. Um, but it was literally the faintest touch of a finger um, while the the defender was down that it was called back. So um, so close to being a, a thirty plus point game from a, a defense, which I don't know if I've actually seen that. Um, in my time, so uh, oh. that I've been doing fantasy football. So twenty six. I've seen a couple of twenty sevens and twenty eights, but yeah, definitely not a, a thirty plus. So yeah, um, yeah. But no, I think I think the Pats moving forward. As I said, the, the next few weeks with the Titans and two games against the Bills. But we see what's happening with the Bills at the moment. You know, we all know Bill Belichick will uh, will do plenty of research and. Um, and uh, I think they'll come up with a game plan. So I think the the Patriots are one of those defenses like the Bills that you could comfortably start most weeks moving forward. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, it's a great call, and uh, and sort of actually almost almost leads me into my streaming options for the week because there are a lot of uh, either teams on a buy or there's very tough matchups in the next couple of weeks for some of our kind of week to week starting defenses, as you've just mentioned there. But a couple of streamers here that I really like for the week, the Chicago Bears are only 13% of leagues. They're going up against the Lions this week, and that's that's, that's a no-brainer for mine. doesn't matter if Goff or Boyle, uh, Tim Boyle, are starting. I'm starting the Bears defense with confidence in every league that I'm in this week. The Philadelphia Eagles, man, they're only owned in 12% of leagues. Their defense has had two very nice weeks in a row. They're coming up against what I've called a very unsettled Giants offense. Uh, as we were sort of talking off air, they fired their, their offensive coordinator. So I would expect them to maybe try a few different things, uh, maybe trying to get Tony a bit more involved. Um, you know, Kenny G's been completely irrelevant this season. So they might try and, and throw a few things out there, but I'm still starting the Eagles defense. And the Dolphins, man, they're only in 60% of leagues, but I really feel like they're a very solid floor play this week given that we've got a lot of teams out. So if you're stashing the Dolphins because their playoff run isn't too bad, I think this week's probably a good week. I wouldn't be expecting more than 10 points at most, but I think they're a very solid floor play this week. But do any of those guys sort of tickle your pickle? I've got the Cardinals out in, in sort of all my leagues, so I'm leaning on the Bears this week in uh, in the in the leagues that I'm in. 
Yeah, if you haven't got, as I said, the Pats or the Bills or um, Panthers or another top uh, defense, surprisingly enough, um, then I'd be going the Eagles. They've got the Giants this week. They've got the Jets the following week. Um, you know, big opportunities for some pick sixes. Um, in their last four games, the defense has had a pick six um, for a touchdown. So, yeah, definitely uh, I'd be I'd be all hell-bent on getting the uh, the Eagles defense for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, no, that's a great call. And uh, just to finalize the show here, before we move to your bowl call of the week, we've got to talk a few free agent pickups. And it's sort of getting a bit hard this time of the season because most of the players have been picked up. People are picking up handcuffs and whatnot. So not too many obvious picks this one uh, this week. But the obvious one, of course, is Elijah Moyes. We've already spoken about. He's absolutely on fire. He's owned in 40% of leagues at the time that I put the sort of our spreadsheet running sheet together. He needs to be owned in basically every league, a 10 team and up, in my opinion, especially if it's 0.5 PPR or full point PPR. Marquez Valdez scandling as well, Gracie. He was fantastic over the weekend, only owning 3% of leagues. I think he's he's shown a good connection with Aaron Rodgers in the past. It's kind of like that sort of second option to Devontae Adams. So I'm feeling all sorts of love for him for the rest of the season. I feel like Rodgers needs that. Consistent second option, I reckon, in that offense, and I think he's the man to own. Now, throwing Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson in there, purely as a replacement for Michael Carter. Carter was playing some great football before he got injured. Both of those guys should be available. Look, I don't know about the Jets' offense. It might be worth grabbing them just to sort of see what happens. One of them could have some production. We know that Tevin Coleman can catch passes. Ty Johnson's the rookie. They might want to get a few carries into there. The last guy I've thrown in there, dude, I've mentioned him off the top of the show, Cam Newton. He's only 40% of leagues, and I'm saying, why the hell not? If you've had some inconsistencies at quarterback this season, maybe you drafted Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you've gone through some injuries of some other guys, why not pick up Cam Newton and throw him in there? I say he's he's just out there having some fun. I say why not do it with your quarterback choice? What do you reckon? Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, you you got that potential to get a forty plus game. You've also got the potential to get a four point game. So <laughs> why not? If you if your season's over, just enjoy the ride. Yeah, absolutely, man. And now before we go, we have to get your bold call of the week, of course. I can't remember if you've hit too many in the past, but we'll count your one from one in the last week or so. What have you got for this week, Thanksgiving football? I'm jumping on our number one quarterback, Fitzy, Jalen Hurts. Yep. I'm going to go that he goes four rushing touchdowns this week Ooh, okay. and uh, and just brings home another nice 30-point game against uh, the, the lackluster Giants. Yeah, I actually don't mind that call. A nice Thanksgiving gift for both of us being big supporters of Jalen Hurts. But thank you very much for another insightful episode, Gracie. It's hard to believe that we're at week 11 already. Not long, too long to go now. Obviously, fantasy playoffs are starting to take shape in your league, no doubt. Ours is getting a little bit congested in there towards the towards the sort of middle to top of the league. Still a few spots up for grabs. But, of course, if you've got any questions or queries on your lineup or ads and drops, please hit us up on Twitter, uh, Fantasy Football Fanatics. You'll find us if you do a search, Facebook. Email Gracie directly if you like. Gracie, do you want to give everyone your work email or is that just for me? No, nah, that's, that's all good. Thanks. <laughs> and uh, take care. Good luck with your matchups. Don't forget that those games start early Friday morning if you're in Australia. So set your lineups before you go to bed and we'll catch you next week. Catch you later.